right, you may be seated. Ah, so glad you're here today in the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you glad to be in church today? How about the rest of y'all? Y'all just here for the coffee? Come on, aren't you glad to be in church today? The coffee is good though, right? It is really good. Y'all, if you know this, but we have our own blend of the Hills Blend by our friends over at Stay Golden, and they developed our own Hills Blend. If you haven't been to Stay Golden, you got to go. Really great place. Uh, And they're not giving me free lunch to say that, all right? I'm just saying it because it's a really... Really cool spot. Uh, today is my, uh, yesterday was my wife's birthday. Kristen, uh, is her birthday yesterday. And uh, she will, uh, she has been ill this week, uh, but she's feeling better. So I think she's going to be here uh, a little later on. You may get to see her as you're leaving. She's not contagious, so she's fine. I, t- I had it like a week ago, and we didn't kiss for like a week. So I wouldn't give it to her. And she still got it. So we could have been kissing the whole week. Uh, Anyway, maybe, yeah, uh, but so she will be here, uh, but after service today, when you're leaving, uh, we're going to have some special treats uh, to celebrate Kristen's birthday, and we all get to be a part of that. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but today is National Back to Church Sunday, so welcome back to church. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. Uh, you do not want to miss next week, next week. Uh, one of our overseers, uh, Dr. Mike Hayes, is going to be with us next week. And if you were here the last time he was here, you know you do not want to miss that. He's going to be with us, going to be speaking, and I'm really excited about him. And his wife, Kathy, is going to be uh, with us as well. So I, I cannot wait to hear uh, what God has, has given him to share with the Hills. Uh, he's a part of us being here. Uh, he is the, he's the pastor that uh, felt led uh, for his, his church and organization to write a $150,000 check for us to come plant the hills. Isn't that awesome? So he's kind of like a daddy. He's like a granddaddy, like a daddy here, a spiritual father. So make sure that you're here and you're leaning in. Are you ready for the word today? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Will you quit talking? Let's get to the word, all right? Well, we have uh, been for the past eight weeks... Uh, in a series that we really didn't have a name for it. We just had a symbol. We just had a a key. And because that's what we've been talking about, the keys that God has to the doors that he is opening. We've read several times from Isaiah 22, where it says, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Aren't you glad that that's your boss right there? That he has the key that whatever he opens, no one can mess with it because he has all power in heaven and earth. And then Jesus goes on in John 10 to let us know that he's not just the key, he's the door. He said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Something we've been saying for the past several weeks is the door leads to more. Many people think that uh, the, the Christian life is a limiting life. It, it, it constricts you and restricts you. But Jesus said, if you go through the door into the sheepfold, you can go freely into pasture. You can go in and out and find freedom. And, and I've come that you may have life more abundantly. So say it with me. Say the door... Leads to more. So if you find yourself going into less and less and less in your life, you may want to revisit what doors you've been entering in. Because if you're entering through Jesus Christ, it's going to always lead to more. More glory, more grace, more joy, more peace, more hope, more conviction. 
right? Always going to be leading you to more. I want to reiterate something that I said a few weeks ago. Uh, The door leads to more than you need. He gives us more than we need because he knows that we need more. For us to do what God has called us to do, we're going to need more of what he has. I'm looking at people right in this room right now that are world changers, but you're not going to do it with your own gifts, abilities, and talents. You're going to need to have more of what Jesus has for you. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. It's easy sometimes to lean on our own strengths, but Jeremiah said that cursed is the man that leans on his own strength and understanding, but blessed is the man or woman that leans and trusts in the Lord and in his strength. I want to encourage you today. The reason you ask God for more is not because you want more, it's because you need more. Because if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you're going to need more of what he has for you. If you're in agreement with that, just say amen. Amen. Now, if you're just happy just getting along and living a mundane life, then that's okay. I mean, that's all right. If you just want to be a believer and, and have a relationship with Jesus and go to heaven and it not get any bigger or broader than that, then that's okay. But as for me, if you don't want what he has for you, I will very gladly take it because I believe God's called me to great things. Look at your neighbor and say, God's called you to great things. Some of you did not say that with emphasis. Come on now. You must not believe that about them. Well, let's continue on. He gives us more because we need more. He also gives us more because there's more people in need. So if you're taking notes, write that down. He gives us more because we need more. He also gives us more because there's more people in need. God never gives me more for me. More is never about me. So sometimes when we talk about abundant life and God has more for you, it kind of gets this thing, we're just going to stockpile riches. No, it's not about that. It's about God supplying all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But then he gives me more and more so that I can be more of a blessing to more people. Last week, we learned that we're called to be fishers of men. God always calls us to do something for other people. I, again, I, I, look, I think about our church all the time, and I have pastor friends of mine that will tell me, man, your church is so gifted. There's so many gifted people at the hills, and what, what is going on? And I believe that the reason there are so many gifted people is because God wants us to use our gifts to reach a lot of people. So if you're a, a really gifted person in an area, that's not just so you can be bragged on. That's not so people say, wow, man, you're incredibly gifted in that area. You're a great business person. You're an amazing entrepreneur. You are a great singer. You're an amazing teacher. That's not about you. If God has really gifted you in the area, it's because he wants you to give that gift to more people. How many of you have more life than you need? More blessings than you need? Come on. How many have more joy, more peace, more grace? How many have more grace than you deserve? You know why you have that? So you can give it to other people. Everything that God gives us that is above and beyond is never about us. It's about other people. I want to read a story that speaks to this. Now, I want you to prepare yourself in this tweet generation. I'm going to read 13 verses of scripture all in a row. Okay? Can you handle it? Everybody look at me. Can you handle it? Listen, all all in a row, I'm going from verse 1 to verse 13 in one sitting, okay? 
Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for this? You need to get a little drink of water because here we go. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Aren't you glad that God knows what he's doing? Yeah, all right. When he asks you, he's not really asking you. Just know that, okay? Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother spoke up. I love Andrew's faith. Hey, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. That's not including the women and the children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and began to distribute to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Everybody say leftover. How many like some leftovers? Come on, man. Kristen made some chili the other day, and it was so much better the next day. Just sit and marinate it in it, man. Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 12 baskets of leftovers. Theologians have wondered why, and I've heard preachers preach all kind of stuff on this, that there were 12 disciples, and so there's 12 baskets, and on and on. I'm going to tell you the Ragsdale version of this, okay? You can do what you want to, but today, since I have the mic, I'm going to just share with you what I believe. I believe that the leftovers were for those people that could not make it to the miracle. God always does more than is needed because there's more people that have needs, How many of you have ever been a part of a church that if you ain't here, you ain't getting it? You ever been part of a situation? If you're not here, sorry. You don't look like us, talk like us, smell like us, sing like us, so you can't have any of what we have. That's not how Jesus works. Whosoever will can come. And so he does more than enough. And then he goes, I don't want any of this to be wasted. So go gather up those baskets. I believe that there are people that had to work that day and couldn't make it to the miracle. I believe there were people that maybe were sick at home or taking care of their kids or had duties that would not allow them to get there. I believe they were able to partake in that miracle as well because Jesus always does more than enough because he knows there's more people that need it than the people that are just there. Let me ask you something. Who are you sharing your more with? When God gives you more, do you just say, uh, yeah. Or do you, don't ever do that if you do. It's just awkward. If, if, (laughs) if God, when God gives you more, I want to encourage you. 
lift, lift your eyes up and thank him for it. And then bring your eyes down and start looking. Where are the situations and the circumstances and the people that I can share my more with? Let's get into the rest of the story. Because that's where I want us to get today. The crowd goes crazy. I won't read. I've read 13 verses in a row, so I'm going to give you a little break, and I'll, I'll make a synopsis of it. The crowd goes crazy, and they say, this has got to be the prophet. This is the one. And, and Jesus knew, the scripture says, he knew they're going to take me, and they're going to make me their king. And I'm not ready to do that yet. It's not my time yet. And so the scripture says that he got away from them, and he went up to a mountain, just, just took off from them. And the disciples, I don't know what happened, but they decided, well, we're going back over to the other side of, of the lake. And so they got in their boat and just left Jesus, just took off, went on the other side. You can read all of this. And then, so Jesus says, all right, I'll catch up with you all. And he does by walking on the water. And just gets in the boat with them. And the Bible says they were very scared. How many of you would be a little scared? Very scared. I'd take off. Yeah. Gets in the boat. And the next day, the crowds wake up and they realize that Jesus isn't there. So they all jump in their boats and they get all the way over to the other side. And when they find Jesus, they say to him, we've been looking for you. Where, where were you? And I want to bring your attention to this verse of Scripture, John 6 and 26, a very special verse of Scripture to me. I preach my first message ever from this Scripture right here. Listen, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. How many like to know the title of my very first message? No? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Over 30 years ago, I preached from this title, Full Belly or Full Spirit. Woo! Come on, baby. Is that powerful? Yeah, no, it's not, really. It hasn't got much better since then, either. Let's read it again. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your Feel. Look at verse 51. He goes on to say, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Hold up now. We just wanted some fish and loaves. Then Jesus began to, then that the Jews began to argue, argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man. Can you imagine being in this audience? And you're just coming after him because you've got a free lunch. And now he's telling you, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Can you imagine? Like, whoo, Lord Jesus. We just wanted to see you turn some loaves and fish into some more stuff for us. And, man, you just went to a whole other level. How many have that friend that always takes it further than it's supposed to go? Raise your... Come on, y'all know that joke or that laugh. or Like, chill out, bring it down just a little bit. Jesus always takes it further than you think it needs to go. Because he has more for you. The door leads to more than you, than you need. But also, many times, the door leads to more than you want. Anybody found that to be true with your walk with Jesus Christ? That it leads to a little bit more than you want. 
And that's what happens with Jesus because he realized that there was a part of them that they had not received. They had seen the miracles. That's why they started following him in the first place. And then they were fed with his miraculous multiplying of the fishes and loaves, but they had not received him. They received his benefits and his blessings, but they really hadn't received him. I want to say something to us, and I feel this really strongly. And we've laughed a little bit, and we're going to laugh a little bit more. But I want you to hear me right now. Jesus Christ did not come for us just to enjoy him. He is not in our life for our enjoyment. And in this generation where everything is easy for us, and I get it, we all walk through hard times, but for the most part, compared to 100 years ago, compared to 50 years ago, come on, compared to 20 years ago, compared to other countries, our life is pretty enjoyable. Wouldn't you agree? And I feel like many times, because that's our culture, that we bring that culture into our walk with God. And it's just supposed to be easy And simple. And he said, you have not come looking for me because you want me. You've come looking for me because I filled your belly up. I want to make sure that we are not a church. We're not a people that is just after him for the fishes and loaves. That we're not just coming after him because of the blessings that we get by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because there's peace and hope and encouragement, and support. This is all part of who he is, but this is not all that he is, and it's not all that he has for us. Jesus does not just give some of him to us. He gives all of him to us. The Passover lamb, if you ever want to do a great study, the Passover lamb was always a great depiction of, of Jesus and the lamb that would be slain. And this is, this is the, the meal that they received before they left Egypt, before they passed over, or before the angel passed over them. And then they passed over and went into, into uh, moving toward the promised land. But they were supposed to eat the lamb. And the scripture says, consume all of the lamb. Don't leave any. Don't leave any. Eat it all that night. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want us just taking the meat that we like, the part of him that we enjoy. Come on, how many chicken eaters I got in the house today? All right, raise your hand if you are white meat. Come on, up high. How many dark meat folks I got? How many do not care? If it's fried, you will eat it. All right, I got you. That's not how Jesus wants us to be with him. Well, I like a, I'll take me a leg or I'll take this. That's how it is. He said, I want you to consume every bit of it. Don't leave any of it. I believe that Jesus would say to us today, don't just pick and choose what part you want of him. Don't just follow after him because of all that he does for you. And he does a lot for us. But I want us to be a people that are seeking after him because of who he is, not what he does. I should have said that differently. What if I say it this way? I want us to be a people that are not seeking after him for what he does, but seeking after him for who he is. That's where your worship, your praise goes from thanksgiving and praise to worship. 
Thanksgiving is about what he has done. Praise is about what he does. Worship is about who he is. And that's what he was looking for. He was looking for a people that understood that. Let me go on. John 6 and 60. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Have you ever said that when you read a scripture? Woo, that's a hard one. All right, this is a hard teaching. These are his disciples who can accept it. Aware that his disciples are grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of the Spirit and life. Jesus was always talking about spiritual things. Always. He may tell a parable, but it always had a spiritual revelation. You know why? Because everything with God is about spirit. Everything with God is about spirit. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. This right here just houses the spirit. And so everything with God is about moving and operating in the spirit. I'm going to help someone today because you have some misunderstandings about the Bible. You have some misunderstandings about uh, church. You You know why? Because you're trying to discern it with human ears and eyes and intellect. And nothing with God is discerned that way. It's discerned through a spiritual life and spiritual revelation. So God forms man out of the dust, and that's all he is, just dirt. That's it, until he breathes into him spirit, and man becomes a living soul. So this part of me that I spend so much time trying to satisfy and gratify, all it does is housing the real me. That's why Paul said, don't focus on what you see, but focus on what you don't see because that's the real life. And the goal is to get us less flesh and more spirit. How many want to hear from God? You know how to hear from God? God is a spirit. So just get a little less flesh in your life. We have some guys that uh, just finished a, a fast. Several of them went on, on a, a week fast with no food. We have another young man in our church right now that is uh, almost the Saturday, he will complete a 21-day fast. And I, I asked him, why are you doing this? And they said, because we want, to, we, want to, we want less flesh and more spirit. That's what happens when you go into the dis- disciplines, whether it's fasting or prayer or Bible reading. What does it do? It breaks this flesh down so my spirit can hear and feel more. So if you need more of that in your life, I encourage you, do something that breaks this flesh down. You ain't got to beat yourself. Come on, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about do something that doesn't satisfy or gratify me. Turn the TV off. Take a break from social media. Take a break from some certain people, all right? Just pull away a little bit, and you're going to find yourself suddenly you're going to start going in tune. You start hearing things and feeling things. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to help you with your life right now, okay? Are you ready for me to help you with your life? With your marriage? No? Okay. Y'all are good? With your relationships? You want me to help you with it? All right? So many issues would be taken care of if we were less flesh and more spiritual. 
It would just take care of a whole ton of stuff. You wouldn't be as offended as you are. Because a dead man does not get offended. Well, I'll leave that one right there. Everything with God is spiritual. His body is spiritual. This right here, do you realize that the body of Christ is a real organism? Do you understand that? We are his body, you and I. So if the church is only physical for you, if you're just here because of the good coffee and it's a social club for you, then you're missing out on what God has for you. It's not just supposed to be social. It's supposed to be spiritual. Understand that, that you and I live and breathe off of each other. That's why it's important for us to be in community with one another. That's why we say get into a gathering. That's why we say serve on a team. It's not because we need you serving on a team. It's because you need to be serving on a team. It's because you need to be in a gathering because that's how the body works together. Come on, are you still with me today? Amen. Everything with God is spiritual. His word is spiritual. You find it hard to read the Bible? Do you? First thing, just some good basic stuff. Try another translation, okay? Just try that. But let me make it even easier for you. Look at what 1 Corinthians 2 says. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now watch this. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. If you read this word with human intellect, yes, there are some beautiful things in here. Yes, there is incredible history and art and all of that. But that's just fishes and loaves. If you really want to get what God has for you, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. You're going to have to start looking at this as a spiritual breathing thing. This is not just words on a page. It's bread of life. It's living water. It cleanses us. It washes us. It's not just something I read to get my chapters in. It's the very thing that I need to survive. But that doesn't happen unless you have a spiritual revelation. Well, I came to preach today. I don't know if you know that or not. And so Jesus says to them, says, look, guys, you're not getting this. This is all spiritual. And what is their response to his revelation? John 6 and 66. I wonder if there's a reason that King James named it that, 666. All right, watch this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Well, hold up. Did you hear what just happened? Five loaves and fish feeds 10, 15,000 people. He walks on water. They still are bickering and complaining. And so he reveals to them the heat, the high, what's hidden behind it. He says, guys, it's all spiritual. I mean, you got the son of God teaching you on the things of God. And bring it back up. What, did they, what happened? And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I'm going to tell you what, you just, you just can't please some people. Come on, can I hear an amen? Amen. 
That's one of the great lessons I had to learn about being a pastor is I, I love everybody. And I just, my mom always taught me that my mom used to tell me everybody loves you. And if they don't, they're stupid. My mom would tell me that all the time. And I just believe that. And I, I met some stupid people like along the way, you know, just, they didn't love me like my mama said they would. And I had to learn, it does not matter how much I give and how much I, well, some people, it's just not enough. And that's just not in churches. That's in your business. That's in your relationships. There's just so much you can do. At some point, folks got to want it. Amen? So how does Jesus respond to these folks leaving? So from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67. What does Jesus do? Y'all want to leave too? That's what he says to them. Isn't that just opposite from us? Like, oh God, you're leaving. No, don't leave. I found this when people make their mind up to leave, no matter what you do, they gone. Just the way it is. And so Jesus turns to them and says, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12. And I love their response to this question, or Simon Peter's response to this question. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And now you see why the apostle Peter gets the keys of the kingdom. He's the one that is the one later on that's like, you're the son of God. I know who you are. For all of Peter's mistakes and mishaps and craziness, there was something about him. You know what it was? He did not look to Jesus as a resource. He looked to him as his only source. I want you to know, God, I'm not here for the fishes and loaves. I'm not here because you blessed me. I'm not here for the social interaction. I'm not here for, I'm here because I don't know where else I would go. I have no other place to go. A few weeks ago when I talked about hunger in our church, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where there's this insatiable desire to have more of Jesus. And not just more of Jesus, to have all of Jesus. Even the parts that we may not want. My prayer has been, Lord, I don't want some of you. I want all of you. If we really believe that Jesus is the door, what do you do with the door? What do you do? You go through it. You go into it. I believe there are many folks that I'm looking at today that may have Jesus in them, but you've never gotten into Jesus. And that is a whole different lifestyle. That's a different way of living. When all of a sudden, he becomes more than just something that you do, but he becomes everything that you are. Let me pray for you today. Just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for your presence that is in this room. Because this is one of those hard sayings, and I know that. But your word is true and your word is life and your word is real. I'm praying, Lord, that your word would do right now what it does so well. It would begin to do surgery on hearts.
dividing asunder, Lord, your scripture says that Some of you have tasted him, but you haven't tasted all of him. He has more for you today. More than you need, and yes, probably more than you want. I want to encourage you today to lean into it. He's never going to give you anything that's not good for you. How many have found yourself lately walking into some things in your relationship with God that are not necessary things that you want? Would you raise your hand? Just be honest. All right, put your hand down. And you you start questioning yourself. You start questioning God. You start questioning church. You start questioning everything. Maybe you're right where God wants you to be. He said, if you want to, Paul said this, if we want to celebrate in his glory, we have to accept his suffering as well. Can't just have the miracles without eating the flesh and the blood. We got to take all of him. We got to receive all of him. I'm praying for a spiritual outpouring at the hills. I'm praying for a baptism of the Holy Spirit in our church. Not so we can have miracles and signs and wonders alone. Yes, we want those but so we can have spiritual understanding and pick up on what God is saying to the church. He that has a ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Come on, if you want more of him, would you just raise your hand? Just, I want more of him. I want more of Jesus. I want everything that he has for me. All right, put your hand down. How about those of you today that need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ? You need to start one. You need to say, look, I I see you as my source and my life. Or you need to recommit your life to him. You need a do-over. We call them fresh starts around here because the scripture says anyone who is in Christ Jesus, you get a fresh start. You get a new life. If that's you this morning and you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or a recommitment today, just right where you are, would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I see you. Come on, really high. Come on, raise your hand high. Let's see you today. Let him see you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. All right, you put your hand down. I want everyone in the room, come on, open up your eyes. Let's stand today. Let's stand today. Come on, do you receive the word of the Lord this morning? Do you receive it today? Raise your right hand. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life that I may have life today. I confess that you are my everything. Forgive me of my selfishness and my sin. Today I lean into you.
cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Now, come on, say this with me. I want everything that you have for me. Don't hold anything back. I want it all. Help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, say amen today.